0: Welcome to the For the Church Podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author-in-residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, with my friend, my
1: colleague, my co-host, Ross Ferguson. How are you, brother? We are good, and I'm excited about this podcast. It's a I, mailbag I, episode. I love the mailbag episode. I
0: think people love the mailbag episode, too. In fact, I've got a review that I'm going to read. This comes from T Holloway 7. Mm-hmm. I think it's T Holloway, maybe it's Tholloway, Tholloway 7, Biblical and Entertaining is the title of the review, five stars, I'm a missionary in Peru and have been a listener for a few years now. I always look forward to the next episode. Jared and Ross provide sound biblical wisdom and have a lot of fun doing it. They cover a wide variety of topics. The mailbag episodes are especially interesting. I would like to see Jared's beefs make a return to a more regular spot on the show. Also, Ross, I am totally with you on embracing the cheesiness of Christian movies. Well,. Nobody's perfect, I guess. <laughs> T Holloway. Seven,
1: T Holloway, whoever you My art, beef is that right. you
0: both agree that <laughs> Christian movies' cheesiness should be embraced. He likes the mailbag episodes. We mm. like the mailbag episodes. Let's jump right into our mailbag episode. First question. This comes from Ben on Facebook, who actually asked a couple of questions and kind of 10 questions inside the two questions. <laughs> ben says, you made a side comment in the episode, The Care and Feeding of Pastors. That you're not sure, speaking about me, I think it's a comment I made, that you're unsure that we've yet seen the full consequences of post COVID fallout relating to pastors, resignations, burnout, etc. No doubt these consequences will be seen in both lead guys, lead pastors, and in vocational and lay pastors who are non lead pastors. Two categories of questions What type of consequences do you think we may be looking at? In other words, what will be the full consequences of post-COVID fallout relating to pastors? If we haven't seen it yet, what will it be? And second question is, what advice will you give to churches and pastors who desire to provide understanding and care to their pastors? Let me, of course, answer the first one first. What type of consequences? And the answer is I don't know. In fact, my saying, I don't know if we've seen the full consequences, isn't because I have a clear vision of what it would look like. The surveys we were seeing at the time We're pessimistic or optimistic depending on how you look at it. It was basically, we didn't see a mass exodus of the pastorate coming at the tail end of the pandemic. What we saw was a jump in the number of guys saying, I'm thinking about leaving. Mm -hmm. So it's optimistic in the fact that they're sticking around. We didn't see a mass exodus. Pessimistic in that more people were thinking about leaving. So yes, I think the full consequences may be more resignations. I also think, we're, we have a pastoral deficit, mm-hmm. so fewer young men are entering into pastoral ministry. I don't know that the last three years, and I'm not even thinking about just the pandemic, but just political division, et cetera, I don't know that it's made the pastorate seem like an, a place young people aspire to be. <laughs> if anything, it's kind of taken the gloss off of. But mm-hmm. at the same time, then it actually shows what ministry is. Yeah. It's it. I mean, I can't think of a time in my lifetime where pastoral ministry has looked less sexy yep. <laughs> than it has the last two years. Not that it ever looked super sexy, but we used to pretend and there used to be a gloss of some kind. That seems to be – it's yeah. not totally eradicated, but it seems to be kind of going away. And so I, I think the consequences will be, if not a lot of resignations guys who are pastoring through burnout or in the midst of burnout, and then I think also fewer replacements coming Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. fewer reserves coming in. So either way you look at it, it's uh, an unreplenished spiritually and numerically occupation.
1: That's what I think. I don't know. What do you think? I think exactly the same. I think the only thing I would add is that take this example of when you experience an ill health moment, quite severe, a heart attack, stroke, something severe. You might be able to recover from that, but you will always have a long lasting impact. And that might be that you need to change the way you live, or it might be just that the memory of that shock, that fear that happened will always stay with you. That's COVID for me. Those two years, I, I had a relatively not quite as brutal time as many guys had, but but it was a tough time. Uh, I'm never going to forget that. Yeah. That has peaked certain stresses, and I'm now very aware of the the anxiety and the stress that comes from that. I am one of the guys that post COVID, I've taken time out. I'm studying here for that reason is to take time out post kind of COVID time. But I know a lot of guys who are just. Yeah, just view ministry a little bit more of a negative tone now just because of the pressure they were under. Um, And that that won't leave. They'll always remember this. That's the long-lasting impact. Anyone that served during this time will always have that memory of of the time they closed the church doors, the political nature of it, the medical nature of it, even having COVID themselves and still having to care for people, people dying within their church. That's never going to leave them. And to some extent, that comes to the second question of the need to care for those individuals yeah, long term. How do we care for them? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the question. What advice do you give to churches and pastors who desire to provide understanding and care? On one level, I I don't know how you implement this advice because what these pastors need is a community mm-hmm. who is charitably Christ centered, seeking to give grace to guys who may feel a little beat up, who will be patient who won't air a grievance or a complaint or right you know, write away, you know, seek to, I don't know, give the benefit of the doubt. Who will be long suffering, and that takes, you know, people all feeling impressed enough to do that. I don't know how you communicate or implement yeah. such a thing, but it, to individuals listening to this, I guess what we would say is. Keep in mind that everybody, not just pastors, I mean, we're not trying to make pastors into a special class of person here, but everybody's carrying stuff that you don't see. Yeah. But now we're somewhat mindful of the fact that the last three or four years have been really difficult for pastors. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that every pastor is perfect or you can never air a disagreement or, or what have you. It just means think twice, think yes. three times. Does the concern that you have really rise to the level of needing to put it on top of whatever yeah. your pastor is carrying Invisibly, in fact, Ben uses that word here, Maybe affected perhaps invisibly by the ministry strain of our COVID reality. Even apart from the pandemic, just keep in mind, like, your pastor's dealing with stuff, 90% of which you have no idea about. And that, to me, you know, it it, it prompts me, when I wasn't a pastor, to say, this guy's carrying stuff that I don't know about. So am I going to share my criticism with him or my concern with him? give him a you know pointer on his sermon all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. Well, I know how that feels right after you preach. I know how that feels in the midst of difficulty. I'm going to ask myself, is it really that important? Yeah. Does he need to know this or is this just me feeling like I need to, you know, get this thing across? You know, Second guess yourself about yeah. whether you need to put that on the pile of things. And maybe it is something that's significant enough, a big enough concern, your pastor does need to mm-hmm. know about it. And we certainly wouldn't say, you know, don't open up. Most pastors I know, they want to hear the mm-hmm. concerns of their people. But yeah, prioritize, yeah. be patient,
1: be gentle couple of yeah. things to be aware of is the pressure to be online and live stream is mm. still a pressure now. Yeah. You know, the pastor five years ago didn't have to worry about YouTube or live stream. Now his church is saying, hey, we should live stream this for someone's granny who wants to watch at a distance yeah. still, you know understand that's a real pressure you used to speak to the 100 people before you now you don't have a clue who's listening and that is a real pressure but also through COVID, there was pressure for pastors to be medical professionals to be political professionals and one of the things i did through COVID is i was very clear i will not comment on masks on vaccines on political policies i will comment on how christ can be proclaimed in this situation don't ask your pastor his opinion on masks it doesn't matter. Yeah. Ask him how Christ can be proclaimed in this time. Stop putting pressure of other professions onto him because that's not his job. If you have an issue with masks or vaccines, go and do your research with medical professionals. Your pastor's not a medical professional. Yeah. Let him guide you in a loving manner. That's good. Uh,
0: finally, Ben kind of asked, what would you say to those pastors who are still feeling those effects but feel trapped mm-hmm. or alone in dealing with them? Uh couple of things. No guy should have to feel alone. Um, don't be afraid to get counseling. Um, if you feel trapped or alone in your church, reaching out to a, a fraternity of mm-hmm. pastors who can kind of understand what you're dealing with seek out friendships in that way and then certainly of course we want to say what we all what we all believe which is if you have Christ you're never truly alone and yeah. that's not just a spiritual cliche answer it's a real answer you are united to Christ by faith therefore you can enjoy communion with Christ at any moment of any day. If you feel trapped or alone, you need to know that he's in the trap with you. Yes. <laughs> he's alone with you. And that is a comfort, it really mm. is. It's not if you know, don't have a relationship with Jesus, but if you do, it's a great comfort to know that he is standing by mm. you, just as uh, he did with the Apostle Paul,
1: alone in prison. The Lord stood by me, he said. Y- you have that experience yeah. as, as well. Yeah, can I plug the For the Church conference this year? Just when you were speaking, For the Church conference is September 11th and 12th. I would highly recommend it for any pastor feeling alone or weary. This year's topic is a glorious calling in the everyday ministry matters. And just a a little plug here on the website, it says, the For the Church National Conference seeks to remind ministry leaders and saints alike of the glorious calling of everyday ministry. There may be days filled with difficulties and loss, yet being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth every pain, every worry and every tear. Uh, If you're listening to this, book your ticket For the Church Conference, come with a thousand other pastors and be together and say, this has been tough. And hear words of wisdom, worship together, pray together, and remind yourself, you are not alone. There are literally hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of pastors that have gone through what you've gone through. So come together at the conference, 11th and 12th of September. Look at that. Did somebody pay you for that? Add in? Our, <laughs>
0: it's my academic advising. Our podcast overlords will be very glad that you did that. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, next question. This comes from Taylor on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Taylor says how would you counsel families who are considering baptizing an eager child he says ages 5 to 10 we'll just say children and i think we actually answered this on our recent episode mm. but we can address it again he kind of gives a contrast of families who attend two sundays fairly active versus attending five times a year non-church members and i don't know if he's just saying families who are active how would you who mm. asking about Baptizing, I think if you have a family who's a non-church member and they've been attending, you know, five times a year, it's not really even a question of whether yeah. you would baptize their children. That's a that'd be a no for me. Yep. There'd be a lot more that I'd be wanting to see because baptism isn't just sort of a rite of passage, sort of sacred. Well, it is a sacred thing, but it's not just sort of a religious yeah. act to sort of you know give a, a stamp of approval for a family who wants a child baptized. But the counsel to families who are asking about their children being baptized or a child who is designed to be baptized. And in some ways I actually am more favorable, I'm inclined more towards those who have a child who themselves is eager. And like with any baptismal candidate, there's just key questions you want to ask. Can they articulate the gospel? In their own words, yes, you're not necessarily looking for some kind of you know, complex formula, but just the basic ingredients of the gospel, Mm -hmm. and that they're able to do it without being coached or parroted, you know, but they know what the gospel is. Do they know what baptism is? Why do you want to be baptized? And that they can answer that question, and it's not the parents answering for them. Can they answer that question? Perhaps in childlike vernacular, but Mm -hmm. do they have, you know, a right and true answer to that question? For, you know, Baptist churches, ideally, we are congregationalists. We don't baptize anybody that we don't make a member of the church. To be baptized is not simply a milestone on your spiritual journey. It certainly is that, but that's not all it is. It's entering into the covenant community. So the church is making commitments to the person being baptized in the same way the person being baptized is making commitments to Christ and to the church. We're saying, you're one of us now. Mm. We're bringing you into fellowship. So one way of answering the question, should you baptize a child, is basically saying, would you bring this person into church membership? And if the answer is yes, then I think the answer to the baptism question is yes. But if the answer is no, then you may want to slow down. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that you're saying, we don't think you're regenerate, Mm. but it's just saying, can this person be a meaningful member of the church? Now, I understand if they're in a family, you know, obviously a child is under the you know, the authority of their parents, and so, you know, if there's a prospect of church discipline or something, that's going to look different. But at the same time, when we baptize folks at Liberty Baptist Church, they're becoming members of
1: our church, and that helps us kind of answer even the question, is this person ready for baptism? So I. Disagree. Oh, so, Liberty Baptist Church? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, I agree with the, if they're not in regular attendance, non-members, then I want to be seeing kind of obedience to meeting together regularly, living the life, all these sorts of things. I personally don't hold baptism linked to membership. Oh. So, I don't believe you can be a member without being baptized. Okay. If that makes sense. There's no such thing as a church member not baptized. But I wouldn't necessarily link baptism in a younger age to membership. So, an eight-year-old wanting to be baptized who you've gone done the checks and balances, they know the gospel, all these sorts of things. I don't view that personally as that they then need to become a church member. For me, I see baptism and membership as separate as then you're being baptized into the global family of christ and then you localize your membership uh, as and when you're age appropriate so i have a slightly different view yeah huge problems that. with your view that'll be a whole other episode uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but ultimately the advice is still going to be the same though which is don't just click your finger and say yes take a little bit of time over oh it. sure for me i would probably be more inclined to baptize a child and kind of 5 to 10, whatever the age, that can very uh, articulately put it together. Personally, I would not have a child member of the church. Then you shouldn't baptize them, Ross. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree.
0: <laughs> no. We'll agree to disagree. So I'll say I'm more open to baptizing children than, say, the average nine Marxist yes. perhaps is. and, and we, I think and we and probably both are. And we're a nine Marxist church. Yep. They send us to say, hey, how can you know for sure until yep. someone's an adult? And I'm like, well... Think of the, some of the adults that you've baptized, <laughs> yeah. like you don't know for sure. Yeah. You never know for sure. You, 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 the idea that you can predict the future better with an 18-year-old than mm-hmm. you could with a 10-year-old, that that, that doesn't wash. We nope. we have you know too many folks that have walked away from the faith or at least brought incredulity to their profession mm-hmm. of faith as adults. That just is a non-starter for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, is it a credible profession yes. of faith? Yep. And if I can make that determination, it may be harder to make for yeah. a child, but at the same time, if it's a credible uh, profession of faith and, yes, a patient examination of that, what's the fruit of the Spirit's work mm-hmm. in your life, et cetera, then I would be more inclined mm-hmm. to do it. The th- the things that you don't want to just say yes on is it's very clear that the, the parents are pushing this, yep. the child's just this clueless object in the middle of the thing. They can't really articulate the gospel, the reasons for baptism, or the reasons they give are because mom and dad want me to, or yeah. some other thing that's disconnected. You know those sorts of considerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a no, and I know that can be difficult when you have active families, people who are longtime church members, who want their kid to be baptized. Say, hey, what's the harm yeah. in waiting? I'm not saying that they're not regenerate. Like I don't know that, yeah. and be, you know. So let's just give it a little time until they're able. Their vocabulary can catch up to their. And
1: there's also wisdom in if they're members of your church, then they will follow what your church puts together. So, (laughs) So for instance, I disagree with you, but we're both part of Liberty Baptist, and therefore I follow what Liberty Baptist will want to teach. So, at the same time, you know, I'm comfortable being a member with that that compromise. But yeah, I think take your time. Gotcha.
0: Here's Adrian on Facebook. Adrian says, "How do you pastor people older than you?" <laughs> I mean, that's like, like a book length of answer for this question. Yeah. And in particular, he says, "How do you pastor your parents if they're members of your church?"
1: So, uh, have you ever had your parents members of your church? I have not, but my brother does, and uh, I have had my mother. Then you it. can share the wisdom. So, we actually have a few parents
0: of our elders at mm-hmm. Liberty Baptist. Maybe I should have reached out to them. My brother pastors my parents, our, our parents. I've never had this. I've certainly pastored people older than me. Yeah. Why don't you speak
1: to the parents? I'll speak, yeah, parents, your I, parents. I learned the bad way. So I learned <laughs> by doing it wrong. So my mother became a member of her church when we were serving in England. And one of the things that I learned through that time is that... Um, my mother lost a son and I lost a mother during that time we went very much into a kind of pastor member relationship so I think one of the things I would like to counsel is remember that they're your parent first member second Mm. Um, and what that means is you, you do still need to be their child, open up, let them know things, talk with them, um, treat them as your parents. Don't think worse of them or better of them because they're now a member, but have them as parents first. Second, one of the things that I found really difficult, and I actually set a rule with my mother, that she was not allowed a public opinion. She can have an opinion on a matter within the church, but don't share something publicly. And the main reason for that is because it never works out well. Either you are seen as favoritizing your son that's the pastor, or criticizing your son the pastor and neither one ever goes well within a, a members meeting so what we kind of agreed is that that mum would come and share with me anything that she felt she wanted to share I would share anything with her but from a public perspective she stayed relatively quiet and that that helped in terms of ministry but also was a negative because after a couple of years of being a member she felt very silent within the mm. church so it's kind of one of those things you have to be really careful about your spoken public relationship yes. as to what to say, what not to say, and that that's really difficult to navigate, and you're just going to have to be really open with your parents and your parents really open with you to figure out that, that navigation. Yeah, I, I mean, I just wrote down,
0: having a conversation on the front end about yes. what's expected and not expected, yeah. I have pastored family members, not my parents, and it was difficult when I felt like I had to put the pastor hat on. Yeah. I've got a buddy who pastors in, 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 a, in a different state, and he grew up in his church. In fact, his I think his grandfather maybe his fa- I think his grandfather was the mm-hmm. founding pastor of the church. He has grown up in this church. Is a lead pastor. He has all kinds of family in the church: cousins, mm-hmm. siblings, his parents, and then also besides that, just people who've seen him kind of grow up. Yeah. Well, they all you know, it's very difficult for him to be taken seriously. He struggles yeah. with. Well, we know who you are. You kind of grew up here. And he's had family members who have been in unrepentant sin. Mm-hmm. And when he tries to lead a process of correction and perhaps church discipline, they just, come on. You're yeah. my brother. You know, I've experienced a taste of that before. And it was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. I expected great things and peaceable you know, relationship. And I wish that I'd had a conversation on the front end. If yep. I were pastor and my parents, I'd want to say, yep. I'm your son. I'm glad you're my parents. We have that relationship first. But if you're going to be members here, I'm also your pastor. Yep. And that might be there. May be times I got to put a yep. pastor hat on, and I just want to make sure yep. that's okay. That's not going to be weird. And yep. Or we're just going to have to talk about the weirdness when it happens yeah. and so that we don't
1: kind of have to, yeah. you know, play this quiet game about it. My mother actually, she moved house and, and she changed her membership to, to a church, but kind of her, her original church. And one of the things she said was, I, I gained a pastor and lost a son, and I want to gain my son back and lose the pastor. <laughs> and it, and it is one of those things of we kind of did it wrong. And, and what I'm kind of saying by saying that out loud is uh, this is one of a very difficult situations, even if it's really good. Yeah. You're going to have checks and balances in place. Talk with your fellow elders as well. Make sure they're fully on board. And if you do need to do discipline things or anything like that, make sure you've got other elders there with you because you don't want it to be a family thing. A weird rule, I don't know if it's here, in our last church we had a rule that no family member could serve on the elder board at the same time. Oh, interesting. So no sons-in-laws, um, yeah. In terms of ministry roles, uh, no uh, treasurer or accountant or anything like that. If you have a family member, you cannot serve at the same time, and that was really helpful uh, because it meant that you don't stack the leaders.
0: Yeah, I mean, to the first question, how do you pastor people older than you? I think with a, a as much understanding as you can. I, I think sometimes younger pastors feel that older people are sort of set against them or overly Mm -hmm. critical or set in their ways. Maybe they're not overly critical, but they're just sort of stagnant or they're not open to change and those sorts of things. And those things are cliched because they're generally true. But having a sense of understanding that, man, the older you get, the faster the world around you seems to be changing and the harder it is to manage that and to adjust to that. And so for a lot of older church folks. Church is the one place that feels constant or stable or Mm -hmm. unchanging, and so it's a comfort in a lot of ways. And so when the church begins to change, you begin to feel like, oh, I I don't feel at home in the world anymore. Now I don't even feel at home at church anymore. Mm -hmm. Just having a – you know, not to coddle older members, but just to have a, a sense of respect for that and a sense of charity and patience about that. I think calling older members into spiritual maturity doesn't stop. There is sort of a mindset among some older members of like, well, I've done my time. I've served here. I've served there. Now I'm just – I've retired from the Christian life, not mm-hmm. just from my job, but from the Christian life. And you want to say like, hey, maybe this is a new season. Maybe your ministry looks different. But you still have a vital ministry. You have wisdom that younger people you know, crave and need. We need your voice in this church. We need your service and your wisdom in this church. So, don't coddle older members, but certainly challenge them with respect, with honor. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he tells Timothy how to relate to older members of the church. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, and exhort older women as mothers. So in the same way that you would have honor and respect for your
1: parents, or you're supposed to, have honor and respect for the older members of, of your church. I would say visit them regularly. Even if it's a short visit. Older yeah. members love that. And we are oft, often went for lunch with older members as well. and um, Popped out for you know, a Sunday lunch or a Saturday lunch. A quick bite. Spend time with them. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. Hosted by Jared Wilson.
0: Managing Editor of For the Church. Found online at ftc.co This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Where we train leaders for the church.